the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. For a second year running, we're celebrating the essential work of seafarers keeping global trade afloat, while 1.6 million of them at sea endure working conditions that would provoke international outrage should they be enforced on land. Despite an unprecedented outpouring of platitudes and strong words, the crew change crisis has left seafarers facing abandonment, cancelled repatriation, severe social isolation and routine unending fatigue as a daily reality of their working lives. We are seeing vaccinations starting to happen in some ports, but the issue is getting worse again, not quite to the peaks where we saw over 400,000 crew left stuck at sea, but Celebrating a slightly better humanitarian crisis seems something of a hollow victory. Meanwhile, the levels of exhaustion are now widely considered to be a significant threat to maritime safety globally. So with that in mind, we've gone straight to the top this week and asked the International Maritime Organization Secretary General, Mr. Kitak Lim, to come on the podcast and talk about the issues affecting crew. Obviously, the crew change crisis is where we start. But we also felt it important to raise the growing crisis of seafarer abandonment and ask why the IMO is seemingly unable to force governments to publish the findings of its own casualty investigations, which are so essential for preventing future accidents from occurring. We also talk about the IMO's somewhat battered image in the mainstream press and why the glacial pace of progress on climate change is so dangerous. A quick plug before I introduce you to the SG. The next edition of Lloyd's List's Future of Shipping webinar series happens on July the 14th at 9am UK time. I want to urge all podcast listeners to register for free, not least because I'm hosting this one. Innovation is our topic for discussion this time, and I've got a stellar panel of expertise from Eastern Pacific, MSC, Lloyd's Register and Rainmaking. Uh, As anyone who read our recent Entrepreneur Report will know, I think we are entering a golden age of innovation in this industry. So we're talking about how best to catalyze and kickstart that process and break through the silos and traditional blockers still holding back change. So please do sign up now. Join us for the debate. You will be most welcome. For now, though, on with the podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List podcast, Secretary General Kitak Lim. It's a pleasure to have you on. We are talking on the Day of the Seafarer, and it's fair to say that we've had an interesting year for the seafarers uh, of the world. Uh, We have seen them struggle in response to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, It has created what I would describe as a humanitarian crisis at sea that, frankly, has not gone away just because the mainstream media have moved on from the headlines. We, We had a flurry of coverage in international press, um, highlighting the plight of seafarers internationally during the coronavirus pandemic. And that seems to have faded from the public's imagination right now. But today is the day where we recognise the impact and the influence that uh, the hundreds of thousands of seafarers working internationally uh, daily to keep globalisation afloat are having. Um, So I want to start by asking you, you what does a fair future for seafarers look like, in your view? That is the theme of this year's Day of the Seafarers, is it not? Thank you, uh, Richard. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. And uh, 
respect to the CFRS issues, first of all, I'd like to express my highest appreciation to all CFRS working at the sea. And also, I would like to express my deepest sympathy with them for their suffering from the COVID situation uh, to date. Having said that, you know, uh, <clears throat> I believe uh, CFRS needed to enjoy more higher international social status than now. So uh, CFRS uh, actually a key factor to contributing shipping, international shipping and uh, global trade. And they are really dedicated to uh, deliver all necessary uh, goods and material around the world uh, between country by country and then uh, between the continent continent. So really appreciate that. That's why I hope the CFR's international state should be higher than now before. And second one, even you know there has been a, a good appreciation by the global community stakeholders, including shipping company and the, the, the government. But I really want they would be highly appreciated by all different stakeholders for their contribution to the work. And also, I, re I really highlight uh, the, uh, the life on board the ship of the seafarers, really away from uh, <clears throat> country, away from show, away from family. So they are suffering very unique, very difficult situation, particularly under COVID situation in terms of the uh, travel restriction and vaccination issue as well. Uh, we need to have a certain fundamental like a solution to that the issues in order to raise the international social status of the seafarers. We need to enhance our perception about the seafarers as a profession, which is related to human element issues of the shipping. That's why, you know, uh, based on the, the IMO's work and together with all the industry and the member state as well, we need to uh, enhance their status and enhance their perception about the CPRs as the, the profession. Uh, with that in mind, I uh, would like uh, uh, actually introduce one, some, one development for the last two years. Before the COVID situation, there has been uh, one special <clears throat> uh, network, which is uh, called Human Element Network, among uh, relevant uh, the uh, NGOs, including ISS or uh, ITF, the uh, IPSMA, etc. So that was working, but uh, due to COVID situation, their activities has been slowed down to some extent. But even now, we have something improvement of COVID situation. I want to improve the activities, human element network among NGOs and together with the IMO and some member states. I want to strengthen those activities to enhance the status of CPRs with the aim to the international social status and also international appreciation to the CPRs for their hard work and dedication. This is what I would like to see. So I really want to see, and together with the member state industry, to look at the profession of seafarers as a key part of the international shipping business. As you say, there's positive 
uh, signs from some countries, and we are seeing some progress. But this certainly isn't the first time that you have spoken on the issue. Uh, there have been multiple IMO statements, and you have intervened personally on, on many bilateral calls over the last uh, 12 to 14 months. And yet, despite that, despite the fact that we've seen you intervening, we've seen your UN Secretary General intervening, we've seen everybody from the Pope to uh, various national leaders intervening, and yet we have seen such little change at port level. There seems to be a discrepancy between the ability of uh, a government's transport division to uh, agree with what you're saying, these are your member states' uh, representatives, and then the health authorities within those states. What, what do you think the IMO lacks in terms of leverage in order to make a difference, to really try and get the plight of seafarers on the top of the uh, national agendas uh, where it really matters? But actually, as you rightly mentioned, our, like, uh, we are working mainly together with uh, the ILO, and uh, also uh, jointly we are communicating with the WHO. <laughs> and uh, however, you mentioned uh, decision-making over individual country very much depending upon their domestic situation, how serious, how difficult you know, they are faced. So this is an important element. We are working, I am always working myself, and UN Secretary is working, and uh, you know, in international level. However, fundamental destination is individual country in terms of policy making. That's why we are very much focusing on bilateral communication with the uh, member state. Having said that, when it comes to bilateral mem uh, the, the conversation, uh, our key partner is, as you mentioned, transport ministry. And IRO is a labor ministry. But it is actually uh, beyond the transport and the labor. As you mentioned, there is a health issues and domestic health ministry and the interior ministry as well. Uh, very complicated in the financial ministry as well. Very complicated. However, Subject to the our like authority, our effort, we have to continue to knock the uh, our counterpart, referring to to these issues to the relevant part. On top of that, on top of that, we are actually now planning to send myself and send a letter to the head of a nation referring to these issues. At the same time, we are working the, uh, on a conversation with the head of a nation. At the same time, we are working to the foreign ministry and the transport ministry as well. You know, raising this issue more, more making more uh, vivid uh, scene. So this is a plan. But uh, definitely, we have to continue work. Uh, you know, on a bilateral meeting. But in a way, I. Uh, definitely, uh, as it has uh, been done, we are working together with the industry as well. Industry as well, uh, working together, raising this matter, not only UN system, but also uh, that individual country. But also uh, media in individual country is also important. They have to, the operators say, they have to, you know, raise this matter domestically to the political leader in the specific country. That, that is uh, what the, uh, Actually, we are working on, but uh, definitely there is a. We do not have like uh, like uh, when it comes to the individual uh, country, we do not have executive power as UN agency. 
However, we have to work harder to resolve these issues to improve the situation. Let's move away briefly from COVID and, and look at some of the other issues that are affecting seafarers where the IMO does have an influence. And one of the most worrying trends we've seen over the last 12 months at Lloyd's List is that the cases of abandonment where seafarers are effectively left, in some cases, stateless, uh, uh, where ships are deregistered, uh, where commercial problems have left ships in ports for, uh, for too long with, with crew aboard. These cases are rising now. Uh, according to the ILO's own data, only 27% of cases linked to abandonment have actually been resolved. Um, that's a worrying trend as far as we're concerned. What is the IMO doing about that? How are you tackling flag state failures to, to tackle crew abandonment? And is anyone in the IMO tasked with looking at this? Yes, thank you for the uh, question. Uh, when it comes to the IMO Secretariat, our legal uh, external division is handling abandonment issues uh, within Secretariat. At the same time, uh, this one is one agenda item of the uh, legal committee as well. So we have a permanent uh, secretariat who exclusively deal with the abandonment issues. As you mentioned, abandonment issues more complex issues than uh, like seafarers uh, uh, crisis, uh, travel restriction. Why? It is very much related, the very complexity of a business uh, like a relation among different stakeholders. That's why more complex. So uh, it is uh, it is not easy to resolve uh, these issues. But however, the IMO, the our secretariat has been working hard. One is uh, from legal division together with our special uh, seafarer task force team, Scott. They are working together to resolve uh, seafarers issues together with the industry and particularly together with the ITF, the Seafarers Trade Union. So we are working hard. But this, as I mentioned, very complicated, complex issues. However, I believe you know, uh, we uh, can uh, contribute to one by one in terms of case of abandonment. What I would like to do uh, based on experience uh, to date, I'm going to organize a joint like uh, meeting or a joint like a network to 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 deal with uh, the uh, abandonment issues like uh, IMO together with ILO and industry and uh, the, the seafarers union i'm going to organize that meeting get together how to resolve uh, the specific cases at the same time we need to look at fundamental aspect of the abandonment cases, like uh, the behind, like a mechanism of the uh, abandonment cases. So we need to look at some fundamental mechanism of the abandonment cases, which is uh, taking place uh, from time to time, even if it is related to commercial activities. But uh, from a public mechanism point of view, we need to look at that aspect. So I think there is a room we can collaborate among different stakeholders. This is what I can say, but we will do our best to help seafarers. Uh, so this will be a, a new discussion that's happening between these institutions. Do you know when that's going to take place? 
I think uh, I'm going to organize as uh, soon, but we have not uh, fixed a date yet. But based on experience uh, by the IMO secretary dealing with this one, and we are working also uh, the IRO and the industry. But it is uh, can be talked through the, as I mentioned, the special task force team, mm. Scott. However, myself, I, I want to do, organize separate uh, meeting, inviting them to look into the, uh, this matter, not only case-by-case case abandonment issues, fundamental mechanism behind the abandonment uh, taking place. But this, this new action, I mean, is that as a result of concern that is rising within the IMO that this is getting worse as a problem? Uh, actually, uh, in terms of level of abandonment, yes. yeah, that is because uh, it is definitely affected by the, uh, the COVID situation. COVID situation affecting the shipping business. They definitely you know increasing the cases of amendment and also the cases are more complex to be resolved under the COVID situation. That's why you know not only looking at the case by case, but we we need to look at the some from from a broader view perspective to look at the, the abandonment issues. How we you know collaborate more in terms of policy process between IMO, IRO, and industry, and the trade, the seafarer union as well. Okay. This is my uh, ambition to do that. Well, we're talking about flag state performance. One of the things we've spoken to you on many occasions before about is the problems with casualty investigations from flag states. Now, a Lloyd's List investigation a couple of years ago pointed out that around half of the flag state investigations that should have been in the IMO database weren't. Now, you pledged to improve that situation, and to be fair, it has got slightly better. But I think we're still some way off being at a level that either of us would consider to be acceptable. So can we get an update from you on that? Is like, What are you going to do to try and accelerate that process? Okay, thank you for the question. Uh, to be honest, to be honest, I'm not uh, myself happy in terms of uh, uh, the level of uh, reporting of the casualty investigation report from member states. So uh, as, you, as, I, as I targeted the 80% of reporting, however, we are the, the below the, the level. This is uh, by 2022. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But that is, that is the area, you know, there is actually two ways. One is uh, we need a bilateral conversation with the individual member states who are related to a specific casualty one. Second one, we have a talking dialogue, conversation, discussion at the official meeting, which is a mainly IIII subcommittee. This is two-way. But uh, I have to say, actually, that, uh, and, and then our secretary has been working on to, to progress that matter. But uh, uh, to be honest, that has been uh, not uh, actually a successful uh, advancement of progress under COVID situation. As you know that uh, we are having a meeting by, uh, the virtually. So we don't have enough time to leave all agenda item. That's why it affected the, my ambition to improve the, uh, the ratio of the reporting casualty. Mm -hmm. But I am very, very uh, conscious of that issues. So one of the uh, one of the uh, key my manifesto to was that uh, like uh, data management. The first uh, the, the criteria is a casualty investigation report. So I really con conscious of that. So I will uh, try to my best to improve. And at the same time, 
I have to introduce, uh, we are strengthening. We are like uh, having certain, like uh, uh, the uh, strengthening our uh, the secretariat uh, to deal with uh, these issues. So that's why uh, this is internal matter, but uh, we, I will try the, my best to improve that situation. Definitely, uh, I will uh, make a much higher progress, uh, you know, in my term as a secretary general. Okay, understood. We're having this discussion in the wake of one of the, the biggest meetings of the year, the Marine Environment Protection Committee meeting, which happened last week. Um, we're not going to go into the detail of what was and wasn't agreed, because I think that has been covered in Lloyd's list uh, sufficiently in terms of the depth of the analysis around uh, the progress that has been made. But broadly speaking, would you say that what was achieved last week is enough to ward off the criticism that things are moving too slowly with the within the IMO? Uh, are you are you pleased with the the progress that's being made? What what do you think needs to happen? I don't say it was enough, sufficient. I don't say, but I can say it was a best solution under the current situation. Including the uh, like a constraint of our meeting hour virtually, we don't have the face-to-face uh, -face meeting and the virtual meeting have limitation of uh, the, uh, the the time for allocated for meeting. So under that uh, constraint, I believe that's the, the best uh, achievement at the moment. But the, there was actually uh, what I would like to highlight. There is a very, very important element. One, uh, that was adoption of a legal frame to implement, uh, mitigate the carbon intensity. Legal, legal frame. And the second one, in that legal frame, there is basically two elements. Technical EEXI, this is very technical issues, this is adopted. Second one, it is like a rating system a, B, C, D, E. I don't uh, go to into detail, but this rating system is a, it can be utilized by the private sector as well, not only the member state, flag state, but the private sector as well. Why? In line with the debt rating system, it mentioned first time in IMO history, in IMO convention, it says member states are allowed to provide incentives to those uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, vessels who are above a certain uh, middle ground level. So this is first element reflected in IMO convention in IMO history. So that's why it can be utilized as much as possible commercial side. Like uh, you mentioned, Poseidon, the, the principally the, the, like a financial institution. Another one is uh, one another principle followed by the uh, charterizer group. So they are moving together. That's why. Uh, and the, the other element is that uh, there is actually uh, not the decision made in terms of a reduction ratio between 2027 to 2030. This is uh, four, uh, four years uh, uh, in blank that will be discussed later. But overall, I believe this is the best solution at the moment. But uh, I think uh, we will uh, make a good progress to target, to meet our target at least uh, 40% reduction 
by 2030. That will be completely, I believe, uh, the matter in the future. And uh, as you, you know that uh, we finished the uh, MEPC 76, but I'd like to highlight uh, the another key element. From uh, next two years, most important, after MEP 76 until 2023, when we expected to adopt our the revised, revised energy strategy, really crucial time, we have to handle like a midterm major, including market major. We have to raise our level of ambition than the previous energy strategy. We have to the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, handle uh, like a reduction ratio between 27 to 27. So key element is the taking place. That's why I believe, you know, based on our achievement uh, this time by MEP 76, uh, we will make a very good progress in accordance with the target reflect stated in our inertia strategy adopted in 2018. So this is a way uh, forward. At the same time, you know, we are starting already, you know, a discussion at this, this autumn through the International Working Group and again MEPC. So we will have a substantial discussion about uh, mid-term major and also uh, the future work. So this is a very, very important time. Also between until 2026, actually 2025, we are going to uh, complete, complete review process. Based on that one, we can uh, consider future reduction ratio and the future work, uh, long-term work, etc. So it's very crucial uh, from now, next two years. The re I, I think certainly the listening audience of the Lloyd's List podcast is, is going to have a working understanding of what happens inside the IMO. And I think it's fair to say that regardless of whether you agree or disagree with your assessment, that is sufficient progress for where we need to be as an industry. The IMO has struggled to get across that message to the wider public. And we're having the discussion about seafarers in um, you know, an era where I think the industry has struggled to explain the role of shipping and seafarers generally to the public. We've seen over the last few months uh, a number of negative press stories, um, notably the, the Black Trail uh, documentary, which we featured on the Lloyd's podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, a New York Times spread uh, directly criticizing the work of uh, the IMO and uh, uh, questioning the uh, transparency of the, it is an institution. These are all issues that are happening, and we haven't seen much of a response, I would argue, from the IMO. So I'm asking you directly, do you think the IMO needs to do a better job of explaining both its own work but the work of the industry to the wider public, not just internally to an industry that is already struggling with some of the detail, I would argue. Uh, thank you for the question. But the, based on my observation, those developments, as you mentioned, very much uh, related to the uh, discussion on the climate change issues. We have uh, suffered uh, for the last uh, three years some negative uh, like uh, comment about the IMO work uh, we suffered, but if you look at the background that uh, that the critic, I can see you can see you know that is a very related to the climate change issues. Okay, having said that, climate change issues as you, you know that the 2018 when we adopted initial strategy, 
I received the congratulate letter from the European Union. You know, our achievement to adopt the inner strategy. So since then, we have been working. But in terms of awareness, in terms of expectation by the public regarding climate issues, actually expectation has been higher than 2018. And 2015, when uh, Paris Agreement adopted, and 2018, I'm adopted in Since then, expectation has been increased. With that in mind, if they look at the, the uh, IMO progress, they may not be happy. However, as I mentioned, at the moment, at present, I believe MAP 76 achieved the best solution under COVID and the current situation. So this is why I, I'm going to say. Uh, at the same time, the, uh, as I mentioned, from now on, what I would like to highlight, emphasize, apart from progress up to MEPC 76, the most crucial time, most important time is the next two years. So next two years, we have to make additional progress to the expectation of the outside the general public as well. But I believe, you know, I believe based on my observation, and I am also based on my history, we can make it. But uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we have uh, some restriction on the COVID situation, but uh, based on our like uh, different mode of conversation, discussion among member states and with industry, uh, I believe we can uh, make it. And uh, when it comes to some uh, criticism against the IMO, uh, respect to the involvement of uh, private sectors, industry, but I really, I can dare to say, I welcome like, uh, like, uh, like a conversation with industry. Why? Industry, they are end user of the IMO policy. They implement policy from IMO, individual flag state, and uh, you know, to the industry, they are important. They, they have to be deeply involved with the, the, the IMO's progress to make our regulation policy more realistic one. So in that sense, you know, I really uh, appreciate the industry, their the positive contribution, including, for instance, they initiated uh, like uh, IMRB. They want to uh, like uh, the fundraising about uh, $500 million you know, per, per year for the R&D work, you know. So it is very crucial, brave, uh, like a proposal from industry. They were welcome, very much welcomed by the IMO member state, but it is on the way, you know, to, to be developed. That's why in the global shipping industry, very much, you know, aware of the, uh, the climate change issues, etc. When it comes to transparent issues, IMO, now, if you look at the, a few years back, IMO now much, much, much more open policy in terms of communication media, information sharing with outside, relevant stakeholders, and now more media journalists attending IMO meeting. You know, that's why much wider at the transparency than before, but the fundamental aspect, this kind of the criticism is very much arising from the climate change issues. We will make progress in the future, particularly next two years are most crucial time. This is what, uh, I would like to uh, 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 mention. So they are also talking about uh, you know uh, private sector. They are attending a part of a delegation of representing uh, 
like uh, the member state. But you know, it is up to the uh, member state who who uh, they are uh, the appoint you know as a delegate of the the the, the, the to representing their country. But uh, most of the IMO member states, they are doing much better than before in terms of responsibility as a flag state. Their performance is much better. So, uh, and also uh, uh, people talking about uh, like international ship registry. But uh, if you look back the uh, last 10 years, there is a great deal of you know, uh, the, the improvement of the performance of international ship registry. They are working very positively to, to the IMO work. At the same time, international ship registry for the last 100 years, for the first 100, they have that system contributed a lot to the promotion of international shipping business, international trade business as well. So there is a lot of positive aspect of international ship registry. So uh, we are trying to promote positive side of that kind of mechanism, positive side of the uh, representation by the uh, private sectors, and then we try to mitigate any negative uh, element, you know, as much as possible uh, based on our work. But not to press you too much on this, but do you think that there is a responsibility both on the Secretariat and the member states to respond to some of this negative criticism in a more open and transparent way? One of the points that was raised in one of the documentaries was that they didn't feel that they were getting the answers they wanted. Now, whether that's true or not, the point is that the IMO has a responsibility to respond and engage with the general public on some of the progress that you're talking about. There are good stories to be told, but there are also bad, bad stories that need to be addressed head on. Do you think the IMO is doing enough there? Uh, there is uh, you know, uh, some area which needs uh, some more uh, different uh, strategy. There is a different mode of a conversation with the uh, general public. But uh, I would uh, mention, first of all, myself as well, very much open to, uh, uh, to a general uh, public, even through the uh, media. I always welcome to see, to talk with the general media or, you know, or a general public about our issues. And how to, you know, more like, uh, more or make the IMO's activities or achievement more visible to the outside. There is actually a certain, a certain different strategy. So uh, as uh, you know, uh, following your uh, comment, uh, I'm going to uh, develop uh, further strategy how to uh, make it more efficiently. Uh, that is what uh, I'm going to say, and uh, I believe there will be more different, you know. Uh, progress in that sense in the future. Wonderful. Uh, Secretary General, thank you very much for joining the Lloyd's Podcast. Uh, thank you uh, very much, uh, Richard. Thank you very much. Is it end? I, I, I want more. I want more. Some more questions. <laughs>